Alexa. Good evening and welcome Stop. to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandsbury. Welcome listeners and a change to our originally published episode. Those of you that have a fascination for voter ID and everything that comes with it, that one's going to be up in a couple of weeks. But we had an opportunity too good to miss as long-time friend of the pod who we've not spoken to a while since he he took on the dizzying heights and the role of deputy police and crime commissioner for Hampshire. Um, so we are joined this evening by Terry Norton. Evening. Thanks for having me. Welcome, well, to the sh- welcome back to the show. <laughs> no, no, thank yes. you for having me. It's been a while. So, it has been a while and, uh, and again, uh, gone from the hurly-burly of uh, of, of local Portsmouth politics, uh, thrown your net a bit wider into the whole of Hampshire in a whole new different dimension. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, indeed. And we'll get on to that later, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yes. So, uh, Terry, would you mind um, introducing yourself? And if you wouldn't mind um, then explaining the, the, the role of uh, Police and Crime Commissioner and how that relates to the Deputy, Deputy Police and Crime Commissioner. Absolutely. So I'm Terry Norton. Uh, I'm the Deputy Police and Crime Commissioner for Hampshire and uh, the Isle of Wight. So I guess the role of um, the Police and and Crime Commissioner is, it's been 12 years, I think it's probably worth saying, since um, they've been first introduced uh, to be the voice of the people and to hold um, the police forces uh, across this country uh, to account. And I think there's probably still some mystery around uh, what they do and, and how they make communities safer. Um, but effectively, they're responsible for the totality of uh, of policing and can be an excellent resource, I think, for uh, communities to be able to drive change and, and effectively have their, their, their views heard. Uh, in Hampshire and the Isle of Wight, the commissioner and I, uh, for instance, we commission over £10 million on uh, commission services to help support victims and fight crime. There's a whole load of things that we do. Um, it's it's an elected position, and, and I'm uh, appointed by her, and together we hold the chief uh, to account and the police force and make sure that they're answerable to uh, the communities that they they serve. Now, there is a little bit of legal bit that I'll go into very briefly because I think it's probably worth doing, and that is under the terms of... Uh, the Police Reform and um, Social Responsibility Act of of 2011. There are some things, just legal things that I think we can point on. So PCCs must uh, secure uh, an efficient and effective uh, police force for their area. They appoint the chief constable and hold them account for running the force, and they can uh, dismiss them, of course. Uh, They set the police crime and objectives, and they do that through a a legal document. Uh, Ours in in Hampshire is called um, More Police... Uh, safer streets and that is basically your, your bible really it sets out your your mission and, and what you want to achieve through that uh, police and 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 crime plan they set the force budget and determine the the precept and, and how much that's going to be um, they contribute of course or we contribute of course to national uh, and sometimes international policing um, capabilities set out by the home office uh, but we bring partners together as well uh, and we do that through um, criminal justice partners and working with um, lots of different partners that build into to policing. Um, and I think it's probably fair to say that a big part of that is making sure that police can 
can do the job that only the police do. A big part of my job is working with um, local authorities to, to tackle ASB and, and ask what they're doing um, in terms of prevention, working with the NHS to look at what they're doing um, and those kind of partners in terms of uh, making sure that the police can do the role that only the police can do. Um, you don't need me to talk about uh, the landscape of, of where we are, but two million people across Hampshire and the Isle of Wight, a mixture of rural and, uh, and urban areas. We've got big uh, national parks, transport links, uh, an airport, you know, ferry ports, um, you know, lots of different in, in employers in terms of sectors and, and, and things like that. Um, but a big, big, big um, demographic for us to, to cover through our policing and our governance of it. Thank you. Perfect. Terry. And, and you touched on it in your first answer there, Terry. And, and uh, uh, again, as an old friend of the pod, you know, we sometimes ask you the questions, um, you know, that, the DPP role has not been without its controversy. Um, the, the Police and Crime Commissioner is is an elected role, um, but the deputy is, is elected by the PCC and, and doesn't go through a sort of open advertising process. Can you explain kind of why it's selected in that way and, and you know, why people, you know, how, it, how you came to get the role? Yeah, I mean, so the Home Office want PCCs, they appreciate the size of the role, and they do want them to have, um, you know, deputies, and that can be in, in, done in different ways, it can be through chief executives or chiefs of staff and what have you, but the vast majority of, or a large amount, increasing number of um, PCCs are uh, appointing deputies now because they realise the size of the role, and I know that the commissioner in Hampshire and the Isle of Wight, Donna, wanted to be a really front-facing uh, commissioner. She wants to get out, speak to the public, a, a huge geography, two million people. To do that, I think you need some help. You need some support. Um, you know, and that person needs to be, uh, you know, symbiotic, I guess, with her vision. And it, it's effective and efficient that we're both on on the same page. I mean, we work really long hours. We're very similar in terms of our output and wanting to get out uh, and speak to people. But in terms of, of my role and what I do, I mean, my usual day uh, consists of me supporting and sharing, you know, Donna deliver her vision uh, across um, across the counties. Um, but of course, that's done through traveling up and down the county, engaging with residents, um, working with partner organizations. My daily meetings um, are about, often about leading into the performance of, of, of the constabulary and, and the commission service and looking at the grants that we provide, um, specifically those, or particularly those linked to, to young people with my background in, in education. In education. Um, but a large part of what we do is, um, what I do is, is working with partners, uh, you know, integrated care system, uh, community safety partnerships, um, those in local government to ensure that again the police can run an efficient service but they're supported as well through through additional uh, systems um of course on top of that you know I, I represent her locally nationally and um regionally but in terms of of that role it's like any role really i think you need somebody who's on a, the same page that you can work with we don't have that american system where you kind of elect the the president and the vice at at the same time um but i think that's a good thing perfect thank you terry Okay, thank thank you very much. So, and, and you touched on it in your in your opening remarks there, Terry. That with um with Hampshire being such a diverse county, we've got large cities, you've got um, quite large towns, but you've also got very rural communities. You've of course got the Isle of Wight as well. Um, so, what challenges does that present from a, a policing perspective, and what sorts of differences are there for the types of crime that's occurring between those those different environments? 
well, not only the types of crime, but I guess mm -hmm. the, the types of policing. Um, of course, you have to work in, in in a way where you are dealing with high harm first, you know, um, often a noisy speeding vehicles on rural roads propose less threat than a missing child or, you know, someone who's victim of rapes and murders and things like that. So you have to be able to deploy your resources, I guess, into your highest harm areas. But that doesn't mean that the public shouldn't have um, good neighbourhood policing and representation. And and we're really committed to making sure that we have that so that everybody across, you know, the, 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 regardless of whether you're in the, 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 the tough, you know, areas within the cities or on the island or um, in rural communities has that. Uh, it's easier on the Isle of Wight because you can give designated resources. We've recently invested in a um, designated road traffic policing unit for uh, the Isle of Wight. What the Isle of Wight doesn't necessarily have is is that abstraction where you pull uh, resources into you know major incidents and and, and huge pieces of crime. Um, but fundamentally, the public, you know, many of them uh, in across Hampshire, living in rural areas, want us to represent their needs, and they are often needs that are in their local um, locality and within the vicinity of where they live. Um, so it'd be remiss of us not to focus on some of those things. And we've invested in drones, for instance, for rural areas, um, mounted uh, police units to tackle some of those things. And we need to work with partners, of course, to look at some of the bigger uh, rural crimes, you know, tractor theft and red diesel, all those sort of things. Um, but but we do that. We do that. And, you know, we're, we hope to expand on, uh, you know, a model, a neighbourhood model that, that does that further. Um, but when we came in when Donna inherited the um, the commissioner's role, it was fair to say that the force was a, a high um, harm force dealing with those big, big major crimes. First, on the back of uplift, of course, the government have pledged, um, you know, part of their 20,000 extra police officers Hampshire and the Isle of Wight had 498 allocated. The commissioner went further uh, to, to make sure that we had uh, an additional 102. Um, so that's 600 additional police officers. And with the additional re um, resources, with the additional police officers, we can now look at, you know, saying, right, let's look at some of those lower category crimes. Let's look at the things that are most important to um, um, the public, as well as challenging some of those real high harm uh, emergency issues that need attention immediately but that that you know more police safer streets you know that, that that's the key to it i think more police officers meaning we can invest in some of the things that are um really really important to all communities um, and of course working with partners to make sure that you know, asb and things like that are, are not solely the police's responsibility okay. oh, perfect terry um and one of those things that, that that seems obvious to 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 people is the is the changing landscape of of physical policing. Um, you know, over recent years, probably dozens of police stations have closed. You know, we, we're aware. You know, both Simon and I are Cosham residents, and the Cosham police station has changed. Is this a trend that you see con continuing? More consolidation into sort of larger purpose built. Um, you know, larger centres, or is there some way that, that that trend might be reversed? Well, we're committed in Hampshire and the Isle of Wight to opening police stations, not selling them. Um, of course, some aren't fit for purpose, and you have to weigh up the cost of uh, uh, repairing a station based on, on what it gives. Um, so we've got to look smarter, and we are. We're looking at, um, you know, pop-up desks and, and opening um, you know, stations uh, where possible. Look, 
the proof is in the pudding, isn't it? We've got 600 additional police officers. They need mm. to go somewhere. Um, so it would be remiss of us to, to close, um, you know, huge amounts of police stations and, and, and put them into big central hubs. Um, I think based on what the, the, the public are telling us, um, that need for neighbourhood policing and that want for neighbourhood policing requires um, a, a different way of thinking things. We've recently brought in a new um, chief constable in, in, in Scott Chilton, who was sworn in um, only this Thursday. So I guess watch this space in terms of his vision and, and what he wants to, to bring in. But, you know, we, we got to look at how expensive things are. Um, but our mission is to is to open police stations, not close them. Not maybe in the same way that the public have been used to over the years, because there is there are studies out there that say, you know, how costly a, they're mm. like libraries sometimes, aren't they? Police stations or certainly front desks. You know, everybody wants them, but how many people use them? Um, so we've got to be smart with how we we do that. Um, but if that's what the public wants, if the public want, you know, Bobby's on the beat and they want they want somewhere where they can go in terms of reporting crimes, and that's what we will. Um, address and respond to and that's what we're looking at um, but we've got to think about cost as well and we've got to look at you know if a police officer is standing on a front desk all day uh, with nobody coming in would they be better off on the streets um, you know patrolling doing increasing police visibility and doing those things and that's an interesting point just to unpack that a little bit more you you, you touched there on the new chief constable Scott being sworn in I think only this week so in terms of something like that in terms of whether the, there's more localization or more centralization is that uh, is that a chief constable decision or, or does that does that fit more in the realms of 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 the sort of the the commissioner's office well i think it's a bit of both is is the reality we are that connection to the public so that, you know we have to deliver on the public's priorities um and you know but we're not operational police officers so in terms of logistics of, of of that that falls down to the chief and and you know resourcing and things through their um their responsibilities but of course we set that priority so mm. it's a bit of both and i think a good relationship a good chief commissioner relationship is one that goes hand in hand um i'm sure we'll have that with 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 scott um who you know is, is really on board with lots of the things that that we're, we're asking for um but yeah, a good relationship there. A bit of both is the answer to that. But fundamentally, I think it's the commissioner to set the the, the priority and hold them to account if they're not uh, achieving that. That's brilliant. Thank you. Okay. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, um, I was one of the local residents that, that attended a public event um, at which um, Donna Jones, the, the police and crime commissioner, was there. Um, listening to residents quite a few of the residents there and we um, we did an episode a few, a few weeks ago where we um we, we played some interviews um with with them where they'd expressed concerns about actually getting hold of the police and the sorts of um, responses that they got or the i guess uh, and for you know um if i paraphrase kind of the the sense of priority and urgency around the things that they were reporting you know one of them for example was sharing an um an, a situation where they were reporting um some people looking looking a bit dodgy looking at their car on their drive and it turned out that those people actually came back the next night broke into their neighbor's house um and and stole the, stole their car um so it was kind of things like that so you, there was a little bit of a theme to the to some of the frustrations from uh, from the local residents around reporting crimes and, and the level of uh, consistency around the the, the response wondered if you could um 
talk to our listeners about what sort of what sorts of things are going to be being done to to address those sorts of issues because it's getting hold of uh, the police and indeed someone someone's just mentioning about the in in the comments about um, you know calling triple nine um, several times and actually people not coming out. So w- what's what's being worked on in that space, please, Terry? Yeah, so we have quite we have good stats in terms of nine 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 where there are potentially some um, s- some issues. We're not quite where we'd want it to be is is one hundred one, and um, there are a number of reasons for that. One is the, the, the fallout from from COVID. So in contact management, which is the basically the call center, um, there were during COVID lots of people that couldn't work in their their day jobs came into the one hundred one call center and, and worked for. Uh, the police. So, for instance, um, you know, the aviation industry, or in Southampton, for instance, the the cruise ship industry had lots of people coming and working with us. Then, of course, lockdown restrictions were lifted. We got through uh, COVID nineteen, and and they went back off to their their normal jobs. So, getting out, leaving a gap, really getting out and recruiting in those areas is something that we are are, are pushing the force uh, to do, and we're looking at ways of of supporting them with that, including, you know, I think getting young people into that. So a big advert here, I think, you know, to work in contact management, you are, you effectively need to be able to type 50 to 100 words a minute. I think most young people can do that. It pays relatively well. Um, so, you know, that's something that I would encourage people to look into. Um, but we've got to work smarter as well. And we've got to look at, you know, we've invested in, in, in uh, app software and, and way, different ways of reporting moving with the times. Um, but we want to get that 101 right first before we, we really fly into that. Uh, numbers in terms of the 600 police officers, you know, absolutely, that, which is why we made the commitment around um, attending 100% of residential burglaries. We can do that now because of the numbers to be able to do that. And we hope that that will, that will grow. Um, but we also need to take on a little bit of social responsibility as well, I think. And a large amount of, of the, the, the clogging up that happens there comes from um, people calling back for updates um, and potentially, you know, stringing, um, drip feeding in bits of information, I guess, you know, uh, wanting that justice, wanting that police attention. So, oh, I've, there's something else to add. There's something else to add. Um, there is an issue with uh, persistent callers and we we need to do some work including um looking at how we support through mental health um nurses and we've got a a designated team that work with our contact management to ensure that we can support with 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 those suffering with their mental health Um, but of course when you encourage people to report crime you know um then more will do it more will report crimes and there's also something called data uh, crime data integrity as well um which is about officers having to record you know historic crimes as well so the role i think is or the amount that officers are doing it is growing um i think at the very least um we should expect uh, work towards the public having a, a response um, you know, be that written through email. And it, uh, sometimes it, it, of course, it's difficult to, to give an answer around uh, a crime that's taken place immediately. But what, you know, we do want the force to be doing is coming back to the public long term. So if six months to a year down the line, you know, you receive a letter saying, look, thank you for what you reported recently, that's now led to some sort of conviction and it's a prolific burglar and we, you know, this is the situation. That make most people feel um, better, you know, we see that in politics all the time, don't we? Sometimes people just want to have their say, and they want that someone's listening. You're, so there's multi angles really that you're looking at as to kind of the reasons and about the nature of the responses. Yeah. I think 
I think if I may, some some of the kind of the things that were, were raised, and, and I think there's a bit of a flavour of it in in the responses that we're seeing in the comments is is actually just kind of I think some people are making I think the 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 hopefully the the right call not to call nine 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 when it when it's not perhaps a crime underway, but I think mm. it's the the intelligence um, of the information that's being provided, the nature of that then not being an ur um, as urgent a thing meant that as an you know, example that I that I said there about a local resident meant that the next night, unfortunately, um, a crime was committed yeah. and and some you know someone's car um, yeah. was stolen. Whereas, I guess hopefully in a in a in a I guess what the resident was hoping for was had there been someone had someone been around then maybe they'd have been able yeah. to catch the catch the perpetrators in in the act kind of thing and i guess that's that's kind of what they're after but and i think numbers are key to that aren't they you know the fact that we're boosting the the numbers of police officers because no it's not that they're no. sitting around mm. drinking coffee it's that they are often out dealing mm -hmm. with high harm situations missing people um you know real serious violence um, you know, and, and also we've got to look at the way that crime has changed over the years. You know, the, the likelihood of falling victim to a crime online or through fraud or something that is is the highest that you're likely to see. You're far more likely to be a victim of a scam or a, a online um, fraud than you are to other crimes. But when we send police officers out, when police officers go out to physical um, situations, lots of those are are domestic abuses, and and they're situations that do need people, police officers, to be there and to be dealing with it uh, on the scene. And um, we've looked at some of the bureaucracy as well that, that police officers have to do in terms of writing reports, and there's some stuff that we can do around um, you know, voice uh, dictation and and software and making it quicker for them to be able to to do their role. Um, but the key to it is numbers, of course. We are, and that's what we're working on with a, a strong uplift program. Um, you know, which will continue to increase. Um, and, you know, we're getting them through the door now. We're training those uh, officers and, and, and we'll see that, you know, the, the, going out to those kind of things, that preventative stuff, uh, increase. Okay. With, with the well, I think that leads us nicely into our next mm -hmm. question, Terry, which is, you know, often there's this, this there's a sort of slight romanticism about, about there being a Bobby on the beat or your local community police officer. Um, and again, it ties a little bit to that, um, the police stations. It, it feels like the, the police officers are only able to deal with, you know, those urgent issues. What, what would you say to people who, who perceive that they are less safe now that very visible Bobby on the beat it doesn't seem to be as prevalent? Well, I think they are prevalent, just not in the way that we are are used to. But society's changed as well, hasn't it? Um, young people, for instance, um, kids don't really hang out in parks and things anymore. They're not lit at times. And I have this huge thing about young people slightly going off around now where they belong and not having a place to belong. You know, town centres have got spikes outside, so they, they can't congregate. You know, shops got one child at a time. Um, parks aren't particularly very well lit. And then we say we don't want them cooped up in their rooms you know, because of the online risk and things like that. So the patrolling police officer um, is a model that still exists. I go out of R&P and we absolutely see them going to hotspots and to areas where there is suspected crime. But for lots of people, they live in areas that don't have hardly any crime. Um, and yet they still say, well, I've not seen a police officer. We have those um, public uh, police meetings a lot of the time. And they say, I've not seen a police officer for 10 years. And I said, well, you've got two here. 
sat at front in front of you. They could be out, you know, patrolling the streets, but they're here talking to you about um, what's happening and, and giving you an idea of, of the local picture. Um, and that would be a concern, I think, where there are lots of crimes and you've needed a police officer. But if you live in a relatively safe area, um, I think the expectation to see a, a police officer regularly is is, is quite a large one. Um, and we don't need to look at what the, you know, the community are doing as well in terms of, 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 of their responsibility. And, um, you know, a big, one of the things that always comes up is uh, e-scooters and, and the frustration. People are furious about that controversial e-scooters and why are the police not confiscating e-scooters? And somewhere along the line, we've got to say, well, the parents need to mm. stop buying them, don't they? Um, because, you know, we can't expect the police just to keep going around filling up vans full of confiscated e-scooters when you can buy them, you know, freely. When, you know, so there is a bit of social responsibility there. Um, that being said, the public do want to see an increase in in, in, in police visibility. With the numbers, that's something that we're committed to doing. The PCSO role is another one that I think can serve that, certainly when it comes to you know, things like, you know, I have this um, vision about policing in schools and, and we've recently put money in place for additional, brought back the school's liaison officers um, so that there's there's that presence there in terms of, of prevention. Um, but often online as well, I mean, we can all pick up our phones and find out uh, what crimes are taking place in our, our area very few people do that they they want the police to tell them the volume of crime and we've got to be a little bit smarter i think in terms of our investigative work you know as a public to to you know do our little bit of research as well to see what's going on and where of course you live in an area where there are lots of reported crimes then i would expect to see a, a high police presence but many people will say they don't see uh, police as visibly as as they used to and yet they won't really look at whether they live in an area of, of 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 crime and things like that. And I stand outside, you know, I've I've sat stood on my ward, the Haven't Road, for instance, and had that three or four times. Someone say to me, "I've not seen a police officer for years," and I, I've counted three mm. or four police cars go past in the case of ten minutes. So it's about the style, I think, which is 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 really important to people. And we just don't have the resources or. You know, crimes change. Police officers standing on police corners to be a to be a visible presence is is, is probably a thing of the past. And you, you touched on them there, and it's it's not something. But the the PCSO role. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm a follower of of our local police on social media, and they regularly, you know, you know name PCSOs who are. How does that differ from the police constable role? Well, there's lots more that they. The, the police can do in terms of powers, but I think you could expect your PCSOs to have more time and uh, the resources to be able to deal with some of that um, mm. more neighbourhoody stuff. So, you know, knowing you know, where, your, where your teenagers are in terms of what school they go to and knowing what they do in terms of where they're likely to hang out and maybe some of their background sometimes. Um, so that sort of lower level stuff, investing in in you know communities often falls down to to them um and to be that that visible presence to be that you know that that patrolling part whilst police officers are off dealing with lots of the, the high harm oh, stuff you mentioned there terry about um people being updated with things that are going on in their area is there a way they can sign up for updates or, or something like that well yeah well you can you can you can quite easily see through you know googling 
the police, Hampshire Police, your area, you can click on a map, you can look at the, the crimes that have been reported and you can see the outcomes of many of those, whether they're ongoing or whether they've finished, but uh, been concluded. Um, but also, you no know, social media. You know, we, we've, got to, we've got to look at social media and um, what what's being promoted on there. Um, officially, from a police perspective, I think is, is important. Follow your neighbourhood policing teams. Um, look at what they're up to, because often they're working very, very hard. What they don't have mm. time to do is to shout about it and to go out and tell everybody what they're doing. Um, so, you know, let's use those tools, I think, is, is a good piece of advice to and share those success stories. Um, let's you know, let's not fall into the habit of just criticising the police. Let's celebrate the work that they're doing. The vast majority of police officers do a, a work really hard and do a, do a fantastic job. Uh, what they might not have the time to do is to get out and let everybody know what they're doing. Okay, so um, and thinking about the amount of crime um, that takes place, would you say would you say it's the the bulk of it is perpetrated by um, just opportunists, or is a large proportion of it? you know committed by actually this the same repeat offenders is it how how does that kind of mix work yeah so reoffending is is high and there are high rates of 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 reoffending a, a a large amount of crime is committed by um by reoffenders uh, and that's where we need to look at you know for instance with burglaries for instance i often ask the force you know what's when when seasonal for burglaries is it summer when when people have got their windows open and um you know things like that and that they're, they're they're advertising you know what what's in their homes because of the weather and, and things like that or is it winter when it's darker and there are more places to hide and you know you can work in the shadows they say to me to be honest with you terry it's more when we have a prolific burglar released back into community um you know uh, and that's where you get the the reoffending types um so that's where we need to look at the link between um offending and, and and prevention and what we do and and one of the things we do is is we fund uh, an IOM house or IOM houses and they are integrated offender management houses and they deal with people that have come out of prison um, and uh, that looks at educating them it looks at helping them get into gainful employment and trying to get to steer them away from that kind of repeat life of, of criminality um, and a large amount of of, of uh, the ex-offenders that, that, that come out and, and go into those um, that work, that those homes go into gainful or, or voluntary employment. Um, so that prevention has to be um, better than cure. And, and we commission lots of um, work from charities and work with criminal justice agencies to, to support in this area, um, uh, you know, including we do a huge piece of work around trauma-informed practice and looking at why people, you know, commit crime in in the first place. And often it links to um, behavioural habits and, and not knowing any different, growing up with, you know, particularly when it comes to domestic abuse and things like that, growing up with that um, and not knowing any different. Um, but also it's ACEs, adverse childhood experiences that, that lead, you know, into that, li that life of, of criminality. And we've recently funded uh, a TIP program, uh, trauma-informed practitioners who uh, work with the police to look at the reasons behind um, you know, perpetrators and, and their violence, because we appreciate we can't just support victims. We need to deal with you know, the mushroom cloud, which is happening behind, which is the reason why people um, uh, commit crime. So we, yeah, we do a lot of work with commissioning, a lot of work with um, criminal justice partners uh, to, to tackle that kind of thing. Okay. Leading on from that, Terry, it, 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 you know, one of the things, and uh, yeah. uh, and and you touched there on, you know, people being critical of the police. I think, 
I think the vast majority of the public have a lot of a lot of time and a lot of support for the police. But one thing that they, you know, again, not speaking on behalf of all the public, but myself particularly, you know, I read the local news and regularly you see those repeat offenders, you know, and often they're, they're stood in court after, you know, with, with offences dating back 18 months, two years and you know that they've committed dozen they're, they're there for dozens of offenses which have been proven and their sentences seem to be a couple of weeks a couple of months or a, a suspended sentence you know is is the criminal justice system giving the police the support it needs and a second part of that question would be you know how do frontline officers feel about you know if i if i use that analogy that they slap the cuffs on and then six months later the, the courts wag a finger and tell them not to do it again. Well, I guess, I mean, I think they're frustrated. I think it it makes a mockery at times of, of, of what they want to achieve and, and, and what they are trying to do. Um, but also mm. it frustrates victims, doesn't it? You know, and that's what we have to think about. We have to think about the victims. Um, there it does. Um, however, there are sentencing guidelines, of course, um, for judges, and, and they've got to, got to do their job. Um, so that's difficult. I mean, we can't just put people in prisons because they'll, they'll overflow. So we've got to look at support services. We've got to look at prevention. We've got to look at um, that restorative work as well. And I know in Hampshire and the Isle of Wight, we do a really good piece of work. You know, a lot of what we do is around, um, we, we have really good stats when it comes to um, out of court disposals, community remedies and community resolutions, which give the community and the victims a say. We do a big piece of work around the community and make sure that they get a say. So, you know, they can, you know, it's often it's, it's, it's apologies, it's letters and things like that, but also, also about, you know, the courses and the, um, the work that the courses that the, the, the perpetrators go on and, and that whole community element giving back, that restorative element, element is, is really, really important. We, of course, we can't flood uh, the prisons. It is frustrating. I'm sure it is for, for officers. It, I liken it to um, education sometimes when you have somebody in a school who is you know, kicking off, swearing at teachers, being abusive, and the very next day they're back in front of the, that teacher in that class and the teacher goes, well, what am I meant to do? I'm trying to, you know, it makes a mockery of my authority and, and what I'm doing here. Um, you know, and the answer in education is often, well, you can't just have behaviour units for everyone that misbehaves because they'd be full of people and that's kind of the end of line and they don't get to reintegrate. So yes, it is frustrating. Um, yes, I, I think police officers more than most, but we've got to look at public perception as well. And, you know, this idea of why don't the police officers just lock them up? It's bigger than that. You've hit the nail on the head. Mm. You know, the police are as frustrated, if not more than the public when it comes to sentencing. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and that is because it, it kind of, they feel that they're going around in circles. They go, well, this person is going to go in front of a judge. They're going to be released. They're going to go back out. They're going to reoffend. We'll be picking them up again. You know, where's the justice there? But um, it's not really a police, it's more of a procedure thing rather than a, a policing. And, and the reason why I wanted to explore that, Terry, is because, you know, for, for me, that it, it is something, you know, when there was talk of, you know, police cuts and there weren't enough officers. And I think everybody's you know everybody's very grateful for the fact that there are more police coming in and you, you've mentioned that number of 600 but i think it is that element of you know the burden of proof is understandably beyond reasonable doubt and you know that is quite high uh, and i think that that's where for me we, there, there does appear this disconnect at the moment that 
where, where somebody isn't committing what what I guess you would describe as high harm crime, they can almost commit an infinite amount of quote unquote low harm crime, like shoplifting or burglary or you know breaking into people's outbuildings, you know that that kind of thing. It almost doesn't matter, you know. That can almost be a lifestyle choice for them, and ultimately the the, the courts are never going to issue a substantive punitive sentence to to take them almost to to you know and it's not you know it might sound like i'm i'm going down the sort of punishment lock them up throw away the key but there's an element of i do wonder how much of police time is spent on those you know those those 20 or 30 known offenders which just mm. keep coming around again yeah, well, I think probably a large amount of, of police time is spent um, on on those. But that doesn't mean that, you know, just because we don't get an immediate answer doesn't necessarily mean that nothing's being done. It could lead to part of a, a bigger picture. I think where we've got to get better is that when we do have an outcome, when we do get a resolution, that we report that back so that all parties are, um, you know, feel a bit better about it and feel reassured. Um, I think it's difficult at time for police officers to, you know, if there's a whole wealth of um, evidence you know, on something, it, it, they have to go through a system. It's not just mm. the police ignoring it and not dealing with it. It's that they've got to put that together. It's got to go to court and all that sort of stuff as well. And I guess that it's the same with um, CCTV and things like that, you know, ring doorbells. It must feel, as, as a member of the public, it feels like you've got the evidence here. Just let's go and get that person. But that's a big, big piece of work to identify them, to locate them, to, you know, to, to actually catch them and, and deal with that and then go to through the courts and prosecution and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I guess there's some work to be done about, you know, that final, that end result and, and coming back and, and informing people of that. Um, and there's a part to play, I think, from partners as well. A, a lot of this is down to, you know, not in a serious instance, of course, but a lot of ASB is fundamentally an, an authority responsibility. That's the local authority. And, and that's where, you know, they need to, to step up and the housing providers and health providers. And it's a broken window effect, isn't it? But I think far too often the police are expected to go and deal with, with everything and to deal with, you know, uh, certainly antisocial behaviour mm. when there are, there are partners involved as well. Um, you know, I, I welcome the... The Home Secretary's announcement into mental health provision and the uh, the, the millions, 140 something million into to that recently, because I think she recognises that police are often picking up um, the pieces and and dealing with a job that mental health providers and mental health provision should be should be gripping. Um, you know, and there are stories uh, nationally. Uh, we're, we're quite good at it in Hampshire and the Isle of Wight of you know mental health nurses going home on a Friday at four o'clock and you know having no choice but to say you're the police's responsibility until Monday morning um so then you've got police officers moving people from provision to provision doing mm. welfare checks and, and what does that do for the victim if you're having a mental health episode and a police officer big you know they're not inconspicuous are they police cars nope. pull up outside and those in uniform come and knock your door that doesn't help anybody does it um so there's a big part to play um, there, but in terms of getting back to your question about sentencing, and, and yeah, I think it probably does frustrate um, police officers. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay, um, so um, and I note that we can see see some comments there about um, specific. Um, obviously, we, we're not going to ask you to respond about specific kind of situations, but I don't I don't know whether that's something that you might have a chance to kind of visit um visit afterwards and have a have a look at, see if there's anything to follow follow up for um for those people. But um 
so moving on to uh, to our next uh, question, we've got so sadly with the recent high profile cases showing police officers abusing their position and, ass and assaulting women and girls. What's being done in Hampshire to protect the people the force is actually meant to be um, serving and keeping safe? Well, I think vetting is is the first hurdle um, to, to these situations and making sure that the right people are appointed and that the, high, the standard is, is high um, uh, across the board. I think is 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 absolutely uh, vital when it comes to these cases in Hampshire and the Isle of Wight. Um, we have a, a stringent vetting process, and um, you know we make sure that we get the right people um, through the door and that they're suitable to to serve um, the public. Of course, in the you know the Carrick and the the cousins situations that we've heard of uh, recently that have been you know very well reported on, they're both from the Met, um, and there's something around. Um, the size of the Met there, it's a huge, huge constabulary with, which is probably bigger than, you know, four or five times bigger than most. Um, so there's some work to be done there about, you know, looking at maybe potentially that being broken down. Um, if there's some cultural issues, which it sounds like there clearly are in the Met, then that needs to be addressed and, and, and they need to look at their vetting and, and, and what they do um, in, in the same way that we do here in, in, in Hampshire. Um, it's a bit of a political one as well when you when you talk about those high profile cases, because, you know, you had political parties that came out straight away and passed the buck and wanted to shift the blame. Um, but fundamentally, you know, the, the commissioner of the Met is Sadiq Khan. And, you know, I, I've not seen a great deal from Sadiq Khan regarding these high profile cases. And and that's where I'd be saying, look, as the mayor of London, you are effectively the commissioner. What are you doing about these bad practices? I know that Sir Mark Rowley is a, is doing a, a great job there. And I, I really do think, um, you know, he is going about things you know, in the right way. But it is a big, big beast. It is huge. And I think it's bigger than than one person. Um in Hampshire and the Isle of Wight, you know, certainly when it comes to uh, serious sexual allegations, officers are immediately suspended. And we have a, um, it's called a confide in me uh, system where officers can report a colleague for, for their behaviours. So I think we are in a good position in, in terms of that, but it doesn't, you know, affect the stain that it has on um, policing as whole. And we, we, we must remember that the vast majority of police officers do an honourable job. They run towards danger. They put themselves at risk, you know, to help to protect people. Um, there are, unfortunately, as we've seen recently, some bad apples. And, and that's, you know, that's where we need to look at, at vetting. We need to look at how we, 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 we look at some of those cultures. Um, but, you know, I'm assured that that doesn't, um, that isn't the case in Hampshire. Yeah, looking at them, Met there, Terry. And uh, I, I know Donna was on record as as saying it just simply is too big. You know, it's. I think you said there it's about five times the, the size of of, of any other comparable force. You know, do do you see any any changes? Mark Rowley obviously is is almost feels like he's got the job to boil the ocean. And and do do you perceive any changes coming there? I don't know. I, I, I is the honest answer to that. You know, I, I don't know. Um, I do think it's too big. I do think there's some work that needs to be done with, with the recruiting and the cultures that are there. But I think operational police officers would know much more about that than than I do. You know. Um, so the honest answer is I, I, I don't know. 
um, I think it needs to be addressed. And if it carries on mm. in terms of, you know, those high, pro high profile cases, they've got no choice but to, to really address that. But I would like the politicians who are effectively responsible for that to say a little bit more. You know, we're talking about some really horrific situations and, you know, using it as a political football to just, you know, I think the home, the shadow home secretary of Cooper came out almost instantly and said, what is the government doing about recruitment? Well, you know, we heard nothing from their commissioner. You know, our commissioner was talking about it more than more than they were, you know. Um, and I think Sadiq Khan and, and the mayor of London in his role, they need to they need to they need to do do more and say more on these issues and the cultures that are there. Absolutely. So if we look at the funding of the police and the police precept that comes as part of the, the council tax bill, if this is going to increase again this year, you know, yeah. what would you tell you know, the question is, well what's that buying me? Where where is my money going? What would you say to to somebody asking that question? Well, it's going to buy additional police officers. That's what it's going to, um, you know, simply, you know, to get back to the levels or we'll get to get to the levels that we want in terms of detection, visibility, we need the officers to do it. So um, the increase in uh, in the precept will will give us uh, additional police officers, 50 um, you know, as a start. And in terms of the number, I think it's important to address it. If we've gone for you know, it's 15%, we've gone for, or 15 pounds, sorry, if we'd gone for, you know, 10 pound, it would have been swallowed up by in inflation. So, you know, we have to, to look at what the public want. And, and in consultation with the public, we had over 8,000 responses to um, our public consultation, the majority of them saying that they would be happy to, to increase, um, you know, uh, their precept, if it meant more police officers, um, and to pay a, a, a higher amount. I think with the you know, for most, the increase is monthly is going to be pence more than pounds. Yeah. Um, and that's important. We appreciate it. it's a it's a, a tough time for everybody. You know, our um, in the force, our gas and electric bills are going through the roof as well. And we need to make sure that we're we're acting on the public's priorities. And if that means making a, a that decision across the country as well, it's probably fair to say, um, you know, the vast majority of, of commissioners are increasing their precept to the, the highest um, possible amount. I think one is increasing it. 14 pound rather than 15 doesn't make sense but you know um yeah it's for numbers it's it's to be able to deliver the things that the public want and and you know of course police numbers is is key to that and and that's offices on the street is it i'm i'm presuming rather that rather than um you know in the desk yeah well i mean it can't all not every officer that you recruit mm -hmm. it goes into neighborhoods mm -hmm. um you know we, we spoke earlier on about the the geography didn't mm -hmm. we and, and what we need um but it will certainly buy into into that vision of being able to get out and, and look at um you know investing in neighborhoods and putting more police where the public want to see them which is you know on the beat and and, and things like that yeah you touched on it in your answer there, Terry. Obviously, you know, the the cost of fuel, the cost of electricity, gas, um, you know, the availability of vehicles, you know, it feels at the moment that that that, that everything is making the landscape more challenging. In terms of, you know, Hampshire, you know, and the PCC office and, and the, the finances that controls, you know, how are you able to, to to balance the budget and to, to make those numbers work? Or, or is it going to be, as we've seen in local councils, that some services will have to give to to 
allow you to prioritise well, others? The short answer is by having a shrewd commissioner with who comes from a, a banking background and is very, very good at maximising efficiency and, and, and bringing in money. We've got a, a good team here in the OPCC that lobby into the government for various funds and pots and things. We've recently uh, set up a, a VRU, a violence reduction unit, um, which looks at the most serious uh, violence in areas and targets where they are and puts in all the support um, for those areas. That's, you know, by applying for government funding, seeing what's out there and making sure that we get, um, you know, put good bids in there across the board. We've had to make some tough decisions um, our end as well. We've reduced um, the, the size of our office and, you know, it's about being shrewd. It's about making sure that we're efficient with our money. Seven hundred, Around £700,000 is what we've saved in terms of, you know, we had to go for a restructure in, in, in the OPCC and make sure that we were, you know, saving as much money as possible. I view it as 50, 50K per officer all in. You know, so for instance, we moved our office from uh, Winchester, which was very, very nice on the high street, but it was very, very expensive. Um, and by moving to a, a, a barn in, you know, around Fairham, we've managed to save 150K and that's free offices. That's the way I see it. So we've got to be careful of our, you know, with what we're doing, we're going to make sure that we're efficient and we're all over the finances. I, I wish we were in a position that local government is often in where you can look at income generation and you've got the general power of competency to be able to sell off you know potentially use police investments to bring money into police estate we're not there um but you know we we've got a it, income generation is quite difficult so we've got to look at making sure that we're we're efficient that we're applying for the pots of money where they're there and we've got a strong team in the opcc that do that very very well enabling us to do some of the things that others um simply Excellent. can't so, Simon, in, in amongst our comments there, do we have any uh, questions pop up? I'm never certain when I look at comments whether uh, there's... Um... Um, were there, were there were some that I think it's probably, to be to be fair to Terry, it's better that he possibly follows them up offline rather than kind of put him on the spot. I think there's some um, there's some issues raised there about um, lack of response to emails. And, and, I mean, you mentioned it yourself, Terry, about submitting CCTV. Um, there's some comments there about some CCTV um, mm. being submitted but kind of not hearing anything so kind of I think that kind of speaks to one of your responses where people have perhaps yeah. sent stuff in and perhaps not heard heard something back um so we'll yeah 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 and we will Simon we will look into those I, I assure you we've got you know myself we've mm -hmm. got a team here that will look into casework and 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 chase it up and we will do that no that's fantastic we just we didn't realistically expect you to be able to pop up an answer right. right away to these things that's it's reasonable to for you to be able to get back to these people obviously you can contact them through the um through the chat on the on the Facebook um and um yeah so um yeah there's some uh, basic questions around those so uh, and indeed someone's just put their contact details on oh, there so that makes that a bit easier um but that's kind of the general thing i think the the overall theme from the comments if i may was um tremendous amount of respect for the force it's just the sheer numbers and and as you were saying yourself as the numbers are building that allows you to do to do more is that kind of really the, the theme that you'd want to kind of assure people with i i think that's that's absolutely it i mean crime is 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 on in areas on the up, certainly how in terms of statistics and how it's reported and things like that. So, you know, we have to, uh, you know, fundamentally the officers across Hampshire and Yarla White do a fantastic job. And back to that running towards danger, they do mm -hmm. a really, really good job. Um, where I think they probably need to, we need to look smarter is telling people about the job that they do. Um, but it's not through people sitting in cars or police stations 
you know, they're out there dealing with real high harm, often category one, you know, really, really, you know, you need to deal with this right away because it's a missing child or it's a, uh, an assault taking place immediately and that sort of stuff mm-hmm. um, across the board. And I have the utmost respect for um, police officers and the job that they do. It's, um, as I'm sure we all do, it's, um, it's, it's not something I could do. So, um, you know, you have to have that absolutely say running towards danger. Um, absolutely. So Terry, if we look ahead to the next year, um, you know, what are the things that, that you're, you know, that you're working on that you're most excited by, um, that, that you think are going to make a real difference? Well, we've got the new chief coming in, isn't it? So I'm really looking forward to seeing Scott Chilton's vision and, 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 and how he's going to put that into, into action. Um, we've got, uh, our estates program continues, yeah. So you know, what's his space in terms of uh, of what we can do there? Uh, I personally, I'm um, really starting to see a, a, an increase in the work that's going on with young people, uh, not just the services that we commission and uh, and uh, you know the VRU that I've recently mentioned, but the work that happens in schools um, and around educating uh, young people and having a, a police presence uh, where needed there. Um, and then, of course. You know, next year we're up for uh, re-election, but mainly it's 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 those, those police officers, seeing those police officers out and about, seeing that presence increase, listening. Again, I love speaking to the community and, and, and engaging with people um, and, and starting to see that come into fruition is fantastic. I think, as a dare I say for any councillors that are watching, that you have a vision when you get into local government, you have this vision of changing the world and quite quickly you're brought down to earth in terms of what you can achieve and what you can realistically you know, um, um, deal with, particularly when you're in opposition um, with the policing world. Um, thankfully, you know, I, I really am starting to see some results um, moving quite quickly. Um, and that is, you know, it's great. So long may that continue. And the police and crime commissioner Hustings were probably our, our most viewed uh, uh, viewed episode from a few years ago. Yeah. So we'd, uh, we'd, we'd love to have yourself or Donna back next year, depending on, uh, on who's yeah. standing. And, uh, yeah, no, thank you for, for giving up your Sunday evening and, and giving us a, a real insight into the role and uh, and uh, some of the stories behind the headlines. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. And our guest has been... Uh, Terry Norton, Deputy Police and Crime Commissioner for Hampshire and the Isle of Wight. And I've been Simon Sansbury, and please do make sure to join us uh, next week at 6.27 when we're looking at the result of Portsmouth City Council's um, full uh, full council budget meeting. Uh, so we'll be looking at how that goes in our full council report. And then the week after, uh, we are definitely going to be having that uh, much-promised um, episode looking at what ID you're going to need to take with you to vote in person on the 4th of May. So please do make sure, like, follow, subscribe, wherever you uh, wherever you find us, um, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, etc., so that you can make sure you, you get to hear about our shows. And thank you very much to um, for all of our um, contributors in the comments this evening. It's been... It's it's been great to see those. Um, join us next week, 627. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 627pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at PompeyPolitics1. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you.
Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. stop. See? It's easy.